0: Listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers
1: brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White,
0: and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how you doing, mate?
1: I am living on the edge. Did you see how I was just taking a drink of water as you were introducing the show? I mean, that could have went completely sideways.
0: <laughs> I wasn't, because I don't know. When I do the intro, I just kind of look at the mic. I'm sure if you oh, saw... Oh, it's a whole up,
1: Zen focus thing. Yeah,
0: no, I just got to get no uh, got to get into the mood, you know. And
1: all right, all right. Kind of
0: run that thing on autopilot. Our, our podcast director and uh, kind of showrunner Rich actually thought that we pre-recorded that because it sounded so consistent so I take that as a
1: badge of honor were I you I would take that as a badge of honor as well <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about today <laughs> it's like, if people who want to use Is that a backhanded comment the were I you part and it it was yeah no, I'm, I'm other... well used to that at this point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm look, I'm excited for today's show i uh I, I i I like trying to unpack these um these manufacturing conundrums well these unique marketing challenges right and this one um uh part of the marketing challenge is driven by a difference in climate in certain parts of North America which is just like you know I, I appreciate there are products that impact or deal with climate and therefore uh it will impact the marketing but I just love that. Um, uh, how this kind of uh, this product is is uh, 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 in some ways its adoption is is being governed by and, and manipulated in some ways by how people are moving inside uh, uh, the country. Uh, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. For anyway, sure. I don't, I, don't I don't want to give it all away. No, I don't want to give I mean, it all away either. Our guests will do a better job of describing it than I did. <laughs> One hopes. Um, but he, And if you
0: think that's a backhanded compliment, it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in any event, let's get started. So joining us today is Eric Graham. Eric is the Marketing Director for the Americas at Sealy International Americas. Welcome to the Coolering, Eric.
2: Thanks a lot, Jeff and Carmen. It's, uh, it's a distinct pleasure to be here with you guys.
1: Uh, well, look, Eric, it's early in the show, so let's not judge it just yet. But... Uh... <laughs> Your opinion could of us could change rather rapidly. <laughs> uh, let's uh, introduce our listeners to Celia International and uh, tell us what you're, y'all are up to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Celia International is actually an Australian-based manufacturer of evaporative cooling products uh, for both the residential and commercial segment. Uh, we are based in Adelaide, Australia. Um, and I actually work for the Americas division of our company. So we um, director of marketing for North America, Central America, and South America. And what we manufacture are evaporative coolers, again, for commercial residential. Um, we have array, an array of units. Uh, I want to say we have around 18 different models. Um, in different price ranges, um, from affordable to all the way up to units that can power um, essentially almost an entire school or school gyms uh, that are about half the size of a storage con- uh, storage containers, um, and everything in between. So we we operate primarily, or our pri- products operate primarily in deserty or dry climates. So we are based in Denver, Colorado, where we have an extremely dry climate. And if you just think about drawing a line from the Canadian border all the way south uh, through Denver, parts of Texas and everything west, and then all the way south from Mexico, Central America, um, literally to the tip of Argentina. Those those are our markets. Um, Our cooling products are evaporative, what a lot of people might remember as being kind of a swamp cooler, and it operates on a similar technology in that you use water uh, to cool the air that comes into your home or business from the outside. Um, And yeah, that's although our technology is extremely advanced, we have literally uh, some of the smartest engineers on planet Earth. Um, I'm a little biased, but um, our technology and the way you would think that it, uh, the simple act of just cooling air is a simple process, um, but it's it's really really technically advanced, and so I'm really learning a lot about the engineering behind uh, cooling products and our, our how how we cool the air and make it more efficient, more efficient from an electricity standpoint. Um, but also how we can replace the air in a home or business uh, multiple times per hour. So that's kind of the gist of our company.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. I want to kind of, I think when, uh, as we talked about the, the way that you were approaching, um, uh, uh, kind of spreading the word about, uh, acili- a- and evaporative cooling, you, you mentioned, I, I think that you said that initially, you're you're putting a lot of focus on more brand awareness work than you are bottom of funnel um i've I've got to say uh you know not a lot of uh not a lot of manufacturers uh, start at the brand awareness side most are a little bit inverted of that now of course I think that that you probably uh, sell a lot through distribution would would contribute to that but i guess talk talk to me about that that choice and uh how you're thinking about uh, prioritization of uh awareness at this phase.
2: Yeah. And, and and a lot of that for me, because um, we are a small team. I'm a team of one I'm handling a large territory and a large group of distributors and contractors that we have in the western half of the United States. So because we're not necessarily selling directly to the end user, um, there's not I, I don't get quite the benefit of doing bottom of the funnel marketing as it pertains to my business. Where I do get involved in the bottom of the funnel or at the purchase end um, of those decisions, especially for the end user, whether it's commercial or residential, is that I help support the marketing activities of our contractors. Because uh, they are really the ones that are going to be selling selling our products to the end user. They're going to be the ones that are going to have those face-to-face interactions. So even even in my short period of time, I've gone out and simply spoken with contractors to say, Hey, you know, what are some of the roadblocks you're facing and, uh, how, how is it that I can do to support you guys? So, you know, my time is split, you know, it's my marketing activities that I do with Sealy are very much top of the funnel. It's getting our brand awareness out because that kind of activity I feel is going to support our distribution network and our contractors. Um, Because if we get people, the end users, to start asking those questions and coming to people like, hey, I just heard about this amazing new brand called Breeze Air, this Breeze Air evaporative cooler. Can you tell me more about it? They're probably not going to call me directly. They're probably going to call their HVAC contractor in any given number of states that we have. So I want to make sure, A... That the, that the residential user, the commercial user of our products is going to be educated, they've seen and heard our brand, and then they start raising their hand to ask those questions. And, and raising your hand could be a virtual Google search, um, just simply starting that search, of like what is evaporative cooling and how does it compare to air conditioning? Um, so again, when I look at top of the funnel stuff that I'm doing, it is really about educating the consumer about what what it is uh, that makes us unique, what it is, how we're so much better than an air conditioning unit, um, how we're how we can lower your electricity bills in the summertime when it's hot outside. Um, those are the kind of things that I can do, but then I do I do also a lot of support, consultation, and even what I would call co-marketing strategies with our contractors and distributors because those are the ones that we really want to get to the bottom of the funnel. Those are where the sales happen. Um, So there's a lot of different activities that I do on any given day, any given week to support that. But that's where I say like my actual work with Sealy is very much top of the funnel, but the the consultative approach, um, the strategizing approach is more bottom of the funnel. I just don't do a lot of bottom of the funnel. I'm not doing Google AdWords campaigns. You can't buy a buy a cooler on our, on our website, for instance. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to drive tons of traffic to my website. I would actually rather drive traffic to our contractors and our distributors.
1: Help me understand the contractors distributors relationship here a little bit. So are your contractor, when you say contractors and supporting the contractors, are they right. like authorized contractors or trained contractors or, um, so th- there's not really a big push to bring in new HVAC uh, installers into the fold?
2: No, that's not, I mean, yes and no. Um, we do do a lot of training. So, you know, our units do go on the roof of homes and businesses um, for the most part. And they 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 install really easy because they're really lightweight. So literally one installer can install a product for a residential, for instance. Um, but there are some intricacies because they are complicated products. Uh, we run on wired and wireless remotes. We run on Wi-Fi remotes. Uh, we can actually attach multiple. We have homes, especially businesses, but we even have homes that have multiple just based on the size of the home. They have multiple products of ours on their roof, and they can connect them through uh, the technology that we have in our, in our controllers. Um, so there is a lot of training. That's, that's a big part of what we do, you know, starting around the first of the year in the cooler months. Uh, the cooler months of the season, I should say, um, where we're doing training. So we're—I've been in uh, El Paso, Texas, Albuquerque, of course, Denver, uh, Las Vegas, California, and we're doing these trainings with the contractors to show them um, how to install the product. How amazing our product is, because a lot of times, because there is a lot of turnover, even in the contractor industry, as it is in most industries right now. um, So we have to, we have to stay top of mind, even with our contractors too. So that training kind of works as, you know, training to do the install, but also keeping us top of mind um, because we're not the only, we're not the only game in town. We think we are the best. Um, I think some of the evidence and data that we have can back that up. Um, But I just need to get that out. So our training kind of does two different purposes. But to answer your question about does it make sense to bring in more installers? Absolutely, because we want to spread our network of contractors far and wide in these cities. I mean, when you think about Denver, Colorado, as around three, four million people just in this metro area alone. Um, you know, it's it, it is kind of eighty twenty rule where 20 percent of the contractors uh, account for about 80 percent of our sales. But we would like to see that expand south into Colorado Springs or even though we have a large presence in Nevada, we would like to see that go into Reno um, and other places. So the more we can expand that network, the better off we're going to be.
1: So. And is it the kind of thing where. um uh, most HVAC installers are well aware of evaporative cooling, but they may not be aware of your brand or are they uh, predisposed to other types of cooling products even?
2: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of what the contractors do, you know, there's there's a lot of companies um, that are competitors, you know, the trains, the routes of the world. Um, And they can throw large marketing dollars, they can throw incentives to people. So that certainly does influence it. But at the end of the day, you know, for us, we really want to, again, educate because a lot of times and a lot of what I'm hearing is, you know, the contractors and even the salespeople for the contractors. So it's not always just the installers that we're talking to. Um, they have some highly technical and really, really smart salespeople that actually go and make these sales calls. And they do. They have options to choose from. We're not, we're not the only game in town. But again, we feel like we're the best. And if you're a contractor that values putting the best products in for your customers, That they're not going to break down. You know, we have a 25 year warranty on the cabinets of our most of our products. Um, So again, we want if you want to be the best contractor, we want to align ourselves with the very very best because we think we have the best product, and we want them to be able to sell the best product because it again, it's the sell is that these products are going to not only save you money on your. Month to month electricity bills and your cooling costs, uh, but these products we have products that that have been in the market for thirty years. Our company is fifty years old, and we still have products that are out there. And to be perfectly honest, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but you know one one of the challenges that the contractors kind of laugh about is like, oh man, so your products last almost too good; they last too long uh, in some cases, which is kind of funny to hear. And I and I get that. Um, but we do have maintenance opportunities we have maintenance contracts because the just like a sprinkler system that you would have in your yard that has water um, our products uh, do have water circulating through them so there are shutdowns and startups in the spring have to do so um, there's a lot of opportunity for recurring income for our contractors as well but again if you want to if you want to sell the best products and do the best thing for your customers that's where I feel like we can really fit that. Uh, fit that profile because there's so many products out there that uh, we call them the metal box air conditioners or metal box swamp coolers. And they, you know, especially in, um, even in the dry climates, they rust out, um, they cause water leaks and such. And, and our products just simply don't do that. Um, so we do have a, a number of selling features for these people that can put a contractor in a position to go, man, I trust these guys and I will trust them, not just with my cooling products. Uh, but when I run into potentially plumbing issues and other things, I'm going to call these guys as well. So um, I, I think it's a well-rounded approach. If you're a contractor and you want to sell the best, that it can lead to um, other income strategies, not just cooling.
0: I'm wondering, you know, you, you talked about how your part of your strategy is to really take this Potentially unknown technology, unknown product, and bring it to the consumer. And but of course you are selling via distributors to contractors to end users of the product. Are you seeing any relatively early evidence of kind of that bottom-up actually working? Where, you know, people are requesting the Sealy products by name to contractors when they're when they're reaching out for you know, some kind of installation or a new build or what have you. Like what, what are some of those early indicators that have shown that this is the right strategy?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and some of the metrics that, that I certainly look at and some of them are simply anecdotal. Um, and when I say anecdotal, it's literally, again, because I go out and visit contractors all the time and I, cause I want to talk to them face to face. And again, I think I've alluded to it earlier that some of our contractors are, um, they're having hiring issues. They're having issues having properly trained staff um, to be able to do these things because they are technical products, all HVAC products for the most part, whether it's a furnace, an air conditioning unit, uh, an evaporative cooler. They're highly complicated. Um, and in many cases, you're, you're cutting holes into a roof or into the side of a house if the ductwork isn't already present. Um, so you want to make sure, obviously, that there's not going to be leaks and that that quality work is going to be done. Um, so what I'm hearing in, in certain cases, even here in Colorado, is some of these contractors and they simply sometimes will literally just wave the white flag for a period of time because like and they tell me, Eric, we don't have people right now that can do this. We're getting the calls and they're literally referring calls to their competitors um, because they do want to service their customers and, and do the right thing for them. Um, and they'll actually pass the information along to other contractors that aren't having the same issues in terms of hiring staff and and getting these things done. So I know the phones are ringing. I know people are asking questions about these things. Um, so that certainly is one way that I'm looking at it. Um I always I always try to support our distributors and contractors, you know, just looking at how much traffic is being driven to the landing pages on their websites for our brands. Um, even looking at even though we do have a US version um, and, a, and a Latin American version of our websites and I'm paying close attention to um, you know web traffic and, and those digital analytics if you will, on the website, how much time people are spending? are they watching some of our videos? are they are they lingering on our site, looking at time on site? So there's a number of different metrics and indicators that I'm looking at to see, you know, are people, listening. Are people looking this up? I look at Google Trends to see are people doing searches for evaporative coolers. And again, I know we're not the only ones, um, but the market right now is we have a really, really strong niche in our market for these evaporative coolers right now. So I know that probably a lot of people that are searching are probably searching for us or one of our brands, such as Breeze Air or Climate Wizard, um, are two of our primary brands. So there's a lot of different indicators that I can look at to say, yeah, the, some of the stuff that we're doing is actually working. Um, but some of it, you know, just like, uh. Uh, all marketing um, and looking at attribution—you know, where are things coming from—is is hard to measure. And again, some of it is just—you know—what are the contractors hearing? Are people asking these questions? And, and in many cases, um, they do have a lot of people asking these questions. So um, sometimes I can measure it, sometimes I can't. But uh, for the most part, and 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 obviously, it's very seasonal. You know, we're—you know—we do a lot of our production and content creation in the colder months. Uh, when people aren't thinking about this and aren't searching about this, and we really start to ramp up in spring and then really start hitting it hard in May and June. So um, right now is really our busy time. And when I can start to see, are are we really moving the needle? Because May and June are probably the months where I'm looking like, okay, the the work that we did last fall and winter and even early spring, is it paying off now? And that's, those are a lot of my indicators.
1: That makes sense. I'm kind of, uh, I want to unpack this challenge of, uh, of of basically um, uh, migration inside of the U.S. from, uh, 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 shall we say, humid climates or moist climates to drier climates. Um, uh, how is that impacting how you're thinking about this marketing challenge and kind of the requirement to beca- get consumers aware? I mean, basically, are you looking at it? Like, almost like home the, the totality of homeowners, the percentage of them that don't know about evaporative cooling is actually getting higher because they're from places that haven't been exposed to this product.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, and it's and it's really interesting because again, I don't necessarily want to ignore. I mean, we were in a trade show out in Washington, DC, which is one of the most humid places in the United States um, not that long ago. Um, uh, some of the biggest HVAC conferences that we do are Chicago, Atlanta, and some of these places. Um, so there is still a benefit, I think, even to have our word um, be known in some of these some of these places, because you never know who is going to be listening to you because people talk, um, especially on the commercial side. Um, we deal with a lot of engineers on the production side, on the commercial side, sorry. Where again, where it matters, like how many cubic feet of airspace that you're trying to replace with cool air in your facilities, Um, there's An incredible amount of math that goes into, especially on the commercial side of things, on how you cool a warehouse or how you cool a data center or even a kitchen and a restaurant for that matter. Um, And the engineering network, if you will, on the commercial side of things is is relatively small in the grand scheme of things. And they all talk together. They all read the same publications. They they have huddle groups. They have meet groups all across the country. They're in colleges. Um, You know, we have one of the one of the best engineering schools in the country here in in Golden, Colorado, right outside Denver called the Colorado School of Mines. Um, And they're producing some of the best and brightest engineers. So I'm literally talking to the next generation of engineers as well. So they all talk together. They're all part of the same groups, whether they're out east, out west. Um, So the commercial side of things is really more all encompassing, if you will, because they talk. Um, but I would probably say about 95 percent of my residential marketing efforts go towards, uh, again, the western half of the United States, just based on the climate. Um, you know, because when you're in a humid climate, evaporative cooling just doesn't work nearly as well. When you have lower humidity levels in the 30 percent and lower, 40 percent and lower Um, our our units can compare and even blow away air conditioning units. So, again, we want to get that message out to the people that, um, you know, again, it's bottom of the funnel because people are in their homes. uh, They're looking for new ways to cool their home. um, And so that's going to be my market primarily on the residential side. So I I really divide my time between those two markets. And it's really geo-focused more on the residential side where it's a little bit more national on the commercial side, if you will.
1: Yeah, and I can see it having to uh, almost peel back a little bit. I mean, I can imagine a you know a homeowner or, or, or you know somebody that uh, born and raised in New York, for example, you know, they're not searching for an evaporative cooling unit. They're they're searching for an air conditioner. I didn't even realize until I took a biking trip to
0: Moab, Utah, through Grand Junction that Colorado actually was desert. I always thought it was more like Alberta, where it was all forest and mountains. So, like if you're if you're from the East Coast and you're moving out there and you haven't really considered that before, you're not even necessarily aware of the exact kind of climate you're moving into. It was an amazing place, but uh, not all was I what I was expecting in Grand Junction
2: yeah yeah exactly and even yeah even just an hour drive away the climate varies quite a bit in colorado and really really across the western half i mean you can the same thing happens in california where it's a little bit more humid a little bit more moist up north and then the farther south you go the farther inland you go the drier it gets but even still our products perform really well along the coastal lines as well
0: i want to kind of dive in to that geography question a little bit because. I think we mentioned this earlier in the episode, but Sealy is originally based in Australia, where uh-huh. I think even more of their climate is certainly more arid and uh, and desert based. Yep. Products existed there for a long time. Still, a bit of a new entrant in uh, in North America. How has that impacted, like how both how Sealy is going to market and and how you are addressing that challenge? You know, kind of the the Australia America divide you know it's
2: it's it, it's there's a lot of learnings that that i can have from our australian team and we are in um constant communication as to you know what's been working for them um i i we would probably be you know probably 10 years behind in terms of where they are from a marketing standpoint to where i am um, and that's mostly just because of the educational, the awareness piece. Um, our brands in Australia are are big. They're huge. Um, they're one of the, the top selling, top leading brands in Australia. And, th- and that stands to reason because we've been there since 1972. So 50 years where we just, we don't have that footprint here. Um, you know, we, we ran into some challenges um, that set us back like, all manufacturing companies when COVID hit and, you know, supply issues were coming into play, but it also kind of allowed us a little bit of a reset as well. Um, But I take a lot of the learnings of what they're doing in Australia, and then I start to implement that here. And we can almost kind of use, I almost think of Australia and our team in Australia as, as like a proving ground, a testing ground, where we do actually have actual test testing facilities where they test our products against competitors, for instance. But one good example of that is the winery business. Um, we never really thought, it wasn't even on our radar, that wineries could be a potential client of ours. Um, and Australia, all of a sudden, discovered this untapped market uh, because there's obviously tons and tons and tons of wineries all across Australia. And one of the challenges that a winery faces, and it was kind of that light bulb moment, um, is a lot of evaporation in the aging process where you put the wine in the barrels and it sits in these, you want to have you know a very, very stable, um, cool temperatures in these aging rooms, these barrel aging rooms. Um, And all of a sudden it was this light bulb moment of like, Whoa, our products would be perfect for that. And then the next thing you know, these wineries are going, these are the most unbelievable products there are because we can add, you know, on occasion, we can add a little bit of humidity in the air. Uh, We can get the cooling temperatures down to in those mid to upper 50s that a winery and the aging rooms need to be. And we can also eliminate or significantly reduce something that's called angel share. And that's the evaporation of wine during the aging process. And wineries don't like that um, because typically even in America, when you have evaporation of wine, you have to start adding more wine to that. So you're mixing two different batches of wine together just to get back up to those levels in the barrels themselves. Otherwise, you're going to be losing around 14 15% of your wine in the aging process. Well, what we discovered was not only can we cool these barrel aging rooms in Australia, but because of our products and the way that evaporative cooling works and adding just a tiny bit of humidity to the air in these places is that we can almost – I don't want to say eliminate – um, but we can significantly reduce that angel share or that wine evaporation in the aging process. And then for us, it was like, holy crap, we can do that here. So now all of a sudden, we're doing and doing booths at winery trade shows and talking about our products. Um, and we just got one of our first big wineries up in Napa that's going to test one of our units in uh, in their tasting room on a an extremely well known. Um, worldwide wine brand that I don't want to mention at the moment. Um, but it was one of those light bulb moments again for us where it's like, well, if it's going to work in Australia, let's let's do it here. Because um, they have some of those more capabilities to do that with their staffing levels. Um, and again, where people are more receptive to try their products out in Australia, where it's, where it's a more of a known brand. And then I can capitalize that on the case studies they create. And bring that stuff back over to my audience over here and go, look what we're doing in Australia or even look what we're doing in Saudi Arabia. Look what we're doing in Italy. Look what we're doing in South uh, South Africa, which is all where we have offices in markets as well. And I can utilize that information because, again, as a one-person team, it's really, really difficult for me to do that much content creation video creation case study creation but if they're already doing that that's where i can really capitalize so there's a lot of learnings to be had from what they're doing in australia
1: and my my gut tells me uh that the uh uh, american market look don't get me wrong us southwest is uh, can get pretty extreme in terms of uh um, uh, high temperatures and 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 extreme dry etc uh in nevada uh, death valley or what have you doesn't need to uh, uh look to anyone else for for uh, instruction on uh, what to do but at the same time australia has a mythical kind of toughness to it or something there's like you know like mythical i think it's, yeah, real. it's like practical practically <laughs> yeah. every uh, wild animal there can kill you and is poisonous Many of the many of the plants are, uh, you know. I think there's a funny thing opportunity from a marketing perspective where this uh, these brands have been proven in Australia and the kind of the extremeness that that can almost communicate. Um, I think you could have some fun with that.
2: Yeah. It, well, it's it's really funny because again, I've only I've been here for a short period of time, and the, some of the marketing materials that we have and some of the things that I'm creating. Um, and, and it's it's really interesting to see how polarizing it can be at times when we simply have a little symbol on some of our marketing materials or even a, a banner ad or something like that, where it says manufactured and produced in Australia on the USA and Central American, South American facing marketing materials um, and in and in many cases, even people within our own office are like, nah, let's maybe take that off. Cause I don't, is that, that's not even going to have any, any cachet with anybody here. But when I ask the question of people, even our contractors, I'm like, Hey, what do you guys think about this Australian made on our marketing materials? And like, no, 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 no. Leave that stuff on there. Like people love that. And I think it's exactly kind of the point that you're making. Carmen is like, You know, Australian has this sort of this unique like, ooh, wow, if it's Australian made, it's um, it has this another je ne sais quoi, uh, another premium element to it, which wish it is. Um, But I find that really fascinating that even people on sometimes on our own team are like, "Ah, I don't know. But um, the actual nu, they like to see that kind of stuff. Um, So to your point, yes, no, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. This is, uh, uh, look, Eric, I, uh, I look forward to checking back in with you as this uh, marketing challenge unfolds. I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, interesting to see the success ahead. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your uh, your thoughts and uh, expertise with us today. It's been been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, my, mine as well. And I would be more than happy to come back and talk with you guys because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm learning every single day. So you could probably interview me here in a couple of weeks and I might have different stories to tell you.
0: i'll make a note of that thanks a lot eric all right
1: thanks guys all the best
0: thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring that's k-u-l-a partners.com slash the cooler ring